Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. Welcome in to a uh, winning edition of From the Pink Seats Podcast. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, just the originals tonight. Vince Coco out at the lake enjoying Labor Day weekend. Our schedules were an uh, absolute shit show this week here on the show. But uh, tonight you're stuck with Matt and myself. We're excited to get into a, a lot, a lot to talk about with the Louisville-Georgia Tech game. We are from the Pink Seats, brought to you by Manscaped and Kern's Corner. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Subscribe to the show anywhere that you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod. Matt, buddy, how are you, man? Did you have a nice road trip? I had a fantastic road trip. I mean... I, I will say uh, that the actual coverage of the game was not that great because about half an hour before the game started, I started getting a splitting headache and I had it the entire time. And brother, well, let me tell you when I, I say I could barely see, I mean, there was, a, there's, I mean, you probably saw the tweet. I said that uh, that second Miss Georgia Tech field goal was made. And I had that up there for a solid two minutes because from what I could see, quote unquote, <laughs> it looked like he made it. Seeing so, sideways, that, man. Yeah, that that part was not fun, but uh, the actual uh, on-field products, well, maybe not the products. The result was fun. The parts of the products were uh, to be desired, but the the end result was pretty good. How would you grade the uh, the Mercedes Benz press box experience for those noobs who will never be able to to walk in such a such a king's palace? How would you grade it? Oh, I've been there before. It's it's really nice. It's not situated right above the 50 or right behind the end zone it's kind of in between like on the corner of the south no the west end zone but it's it's a really nice open air setup it's so you you can hear everything it's it's really immersive i like it well i'm glad that you had a good time i saw on your road trip you made a stop on the way back and i have to admit man i I think a lot of our audience here will uh and maybe you i think you're going to give me quite a a bit of shit about this i've never been to bucky's before i had never heard of it before about four or five months ago help me understand the allure of this place because like every time i see it people are like oh that's amazing what a cool place and then i'm like what's in there And people are like snacks you know it's like like a gas station it's basically a gas station if it was a super Walmart. <laughs> okay, so this, like furniture, like what what t- tell me how they, they, that's like actually a super store. The one that's actually the one thing they don't sell is furniture, but I mean they've got jerky, they've got your your typical gas station stuff like candy, drinks, and all that, but they also sell clothing, they sell uh brisket, desserts, uh fresh jerky. Um it's it's insane. And plus they've got, I mean, if I had to guess, they've probably got close to a hundred pumps, maybe more. So it's or what do you mean? Like gas pumps? Gas pumps. Oh, yes. okay. Okay. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like pumps on top of like your drink? No, or no, 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 no. Ice no. cream or like what are we talking pumps here? 
no, no. I'm talking gas pumps. They have it's 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 huge. It's an experience. The first time I went there, I didn't know what I was expecting. I was in the same boat as you, like, oh, it's 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 gas station. How great can it be? And then I went there and I'm like, holy shit, this place is amazing. <laughs> it sounds like you leave with the meat sweats. Like that's the, the essentially you're you sign up to go in if you're talking brisket and jerky, like you're leaving there with uh you know, a spike in cholesterol and a potential heart attack waiting for you at your next destination. Sounds like a, a riveting place to be and following a football game sounds like you had a, a nice time. I'm very excited for you. I'm sure coming back after a win is much better than driving what six hours after a loss, you know, I'm, I can imagine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a fun drive because I mean, you kind of get over it after a while, but you know, there there's the, the, the drive back is a lot shorter whenever it's a, it's a victory drive. That's for sure. That's, that's right. And it, it was a hard fought victory. I want to say I never lost faith. I never had that sinking feeling in my stomach. Like the game was over, even with the well, that's Tech one run. of us because I certainly had that. <laughs> sure. I don't know what it was, right? I'm normally a very pessimistic person that when a game, you know, starts to shift and the momentum goes one way so quickly, especially Louisville football, I'm like, all right, shit, you know, here we go. It's over. But th- there was just so much that happened in the second half that went Louisville's way after a first half that was just so up and down um, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. Before we get into that, did you watch any other college football this weekend? I know you were driving back most of Saturday, but did you get to to lock into maybe the North Carolina, South Carolina game or the West Virginia, I, Penn State game? I actually, uh, once I got home, I did watch the uh, North Carolina, South Carolina game for about maybe three or so quarters before I fell asleep on the couch. But uh, on the, the drive back, I was listening to the radio broadcast for Colorado TCU. And uh, Colorado not only might be good, good, but they they're fun. Yeah, I, they I can are. only imagine I, what it was like to dude, see that in person. I watched that game almost in, in its entirety, which but this is the first year where I'm committed to like watching college football as much as I can outside of Louisville. I don't know if it's the transfer portal. I don't know what it is, but my my antennas are up far more this year than they ever have been. So I watched most of that game. Uh, and let me tell you, Shadur Sanders is the real freaking deal. I want to see. So he is a, Travis he, Hunter. <laughs> exactly right. That interception that Travis Hunter had was just that was insane, beautiful. Insane. That was an NFL level play. Like some NFL guys, they don't make that play. And it was, and he's that's like a throw you make ninety nine times out of a hundred. That's just an easy pitch and catch, easy score. And Travis Hunter swoops in out of nowhere to just pick it off like he was Superman or something like it's just phenomenal and then great game man yeah and then he goes not only does that but plays on the other side of the ball and gets 100 receiving yards I think the the stat that I saw is that he played 129 total snaps that's got to be damn near the whole game yeah I mean close to it and not even that I saw he had only allowed one reception the entire game out of like five or six targets in the first half I don't know where it ultimately ended up shaking out to be but that, like, I'm curious how sustainable that is. If he does this all year, dude, and they go, Heisman. say, 10, yeah, Heisman, right. Just certified, like, we haven't seen this. The Heisman's all about flash and substance, I feel like, in a way. That's that's flash and substance right there. The last yeah. thing I want to say before we talk about Louisville, did you happen to catch the Texas Tech and Wyoming game? Did you I didn't catch it, game? but I heard what happened. Well, I don't know what happened in the game outside of the lightning delay, but I have to say to you how cool it is that a team like Texas Tech went and played on the road 
at Wyoming. Like you don't see that very often where power five football teams travel to go play some of those smaller schools. I think it would be really cool for Louisville to do that. I don't know, you know, someone regionally like East Carolina or something like it would be dope for Louisville to go and play in like a very small uh, mid-major type of stadium. It's a risk that you take, but it was really cool to see that. Uh, And I don't know if you saw the tweet earlier, but there was a fan that wore uh, a cowboy hat, some boots, and what? Oh looks I, like... no, I saw it only because your ass tweeted the tag me. Yeah, man, we got to get you dressed up like that on Thursday night, man. Uh, for, the, no. for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, go look at the Pink Seats Pod Twitter. Matt is going to dress like that in the press box as he sits next to uh, Rick Bozich, who li- starts yeah. to laugh uncontrollably. It's something that Jeff uh, Brom did. Yeah, he, yeah no, funny. seriously. And, and one more in general college football observation before we actually dive into what people are here for. Did you happen to watch that uh, Florida Utah game? I did. I did watch quite a bit of that game. Yeah. You, you, Florida sucks, man. Florida. Florida I, I came away from that. More so thinking that Florida sucks, that more so than Utah's good. And I think Utah is good. I mean, we saw what they did last year. I mean, they, they're the two-time defending Pac-12 champions for a reason. I mean, they're a good team. But then Florida just couldn't stop shooting themselves in the foot. And, I mean, I I, I don't know what they were expecting when they brought in Graham Mertz because, I mean, he's – okay i mean he wasn't he didn't do anything spectacular at wisconsin so i i don't know why there were, seemed to be a ton of expectations placed on maybe not a ton of expectations but like expectations period placed on this team with when you've got a guy like him leading the ship and not to say that graham mertz is dog shit because he's not but he's just like eh. that game was almost funny it was yeah, it, like embarrassingly bad play calling by Florida. And I tweeted this, but it, it is a, it should be a federal crime that for Billy Napier to allow Graham Mertz to be assigned the number 15. I mean, Tim Tebow, uh, I mean, it just got to be a shame to see that number doing such bad football. I'm surprised uh, that numbers were not retired. That's what I'm saying, you. man. That feels like a number that would have been retired by now. I found that to be very interesting. So, anyways, all right, let's talk Louisville, Georgia Tech, 39-34. Louisville walks away victorious in Atlanta in the season opener with a road conference. Uh, we'll, we'll call it a road conference because I, I know it's at a neutral field, but really a road game for Louisville. 1-0 in conference play, where you want to be if you're Jeff Brom, how they got there. It was scary hours there for a little bit in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you know, you're talking about something that you did not expect to see, uh, Louisville giving up just some of the biggest, you know, runs we've we've seen in the last really two and a half years. I mean, they didn't do that last year a ton. So for them to just have these giant holes was just a, a very interesting turn that I did not expect to see. We'll start here, man. We'll start with Jack Plummer. I mean, he ultimately shakes out with decent numbers, 18 of 31, 247, three touchdowns and one interception. But it really was a Jekyll and Hyde with him at quarterback in the first half. Uh, he had a lot of opportunities, including the first drive, uh, the first yeah, first drive of the game, Jimmy Calloway on a slant and just kind of, you know, really kind of underthrows it. And Jimmy Calloway has to try to come back to catch that probably should have. And then the second drive, there's, you know, more missed passes and it would just go on and go on and go on. Matt, what was your perspective of that? Because to me, it just looked like the moment in the first half was too big. Yeah, no, that, that was probably my biggest takeaway with how Jack Plummer looked in that first half. I mean, he just looked jittery. I mean, and, and I know uh, Mark Ennis said it best. He he had a weird combination of jittery and slow. 
which is really hard to pull off. It, it I know I kind of expected him to have like a little bit of nerves because you know it's the first game of the season. I mean, you're going to have nerves for like a series or two, but he just did not look comfortable at all in that first half, and it got to a point where you start to legitimately question, okay, if the, if he's not going to be able to live up to the moment, do I have to go to someone else? And credit to Jeff Brom for sticking with him and having Jack do what he did in the second half. But there, there were some moments where Plummer looked flat out bad. But, I mean, in hindsight, it's always 2020, but it was what he did was very correctable. Because it just seemed like he was not decisive at all with his passes. And that's really like what I think his biggest problem was in that first half. He had no confidence. His his mechanics weren't sound. He was throwing off of his back foot. He wasn't planting his feet. He wasn't doing anything of the what we saw all throughout the offseason. And frankly, during uh, his last season at Cal, like th- it did not look like Jack Plummer at all. So to see him, to see Brom stick with Plummer in the second half, and to see Plummer actually respond to the uh, the ass chewing that Brom gave that entire team at halftime, I mean, give credit to both parties involved, Brom for sticking with him and Plummer for rising up to the challenge. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was this evolution of like, okay, this is concerning. Okay, first throw, then it's a couple of throws, and you're like, all right, maybe. You, you know, the people you're with, you lean over and you're like, all right, maybe he's just nervous, right? And then it's five, six throws, and then there's a couple of them that are in the dirt. Now, he did connect on that deep ball with Kevin Coleman, which would have been a walk-in touchdown had he put the ball out in front of Coleman, or at least would yep. have been given him an opportunity to, to score. Uh, there were some highlights and some nice moments, but overall, it was just inaccurate and really kind of shooting Louisville in the foot. I don't know, man. Uh, the one thing that you can't, even look at as a possible criticism or as a possible reason why that could be as the offensive line, because they they were damn near perfect. I mean, literally no tackles for loss, no sacks. That's the second game in a row. I believe now that they've done that where they have kept the quarterback upright uh, because I believe Cincinnati last year also was that case. So you're talking about an offensive line that showed you that they are the real deal. And for him to not be able to find the footing in the, 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 the rhythm, it was concerning because the opportunities were there left and right. I mean, the receivers mm-hmm. were getting open. It felt like, uh, you know, from what I could see on TV. Yeah, no, they, they were, they were, I don't want to say running completely free, but I mean, they were running to the point where, I mean, you, they had a, a large window for Plummer to put it in and he was just whiffing horrendously. He was throwing it behind, uh, throwing it down low, like you said, into the dirt what was really bad was that final passing attempt of the half when he was trying to fit that ball in a tight window to Jamari Thrash. And not only was the throw itself not really great, the, the decision was okay. I mean, if he put it kind of a little bit more above Jamari's head, he might have been able to catch that and run the length of the field. But he threw that way too close to the safety and the safety made a play on it and Louisville's fortunate that Georgia Tech was not able to convert that into points and go into the halftime with an even larger deficit than they were already staring at. The missed opportunity for a wide open Nate Kariski in the end zone was one that was just maddening in real time because you just the way that the camera was following behind Jack, you see 
Nate Karuski flash open standing there, and Jack has a, just a perfect window. And either he doesn't see him or he doesn't trust what he sees and doesn't let go of that ball. And I think he either tries to run in or throws an incomplete pass. I can't remember exactly what happened. But you're talking about another opportunity for a touchdown right there. So there was a lot of those. I mean, just over and over again in the first the first half. And it got to the point where I never thought, okay, you go away from Jack completely. But it felt like, you know, knowing what Jeff Brom and his staff have done with two quarterbacks in the past felt like maybe because of the fact that there's opportunity right here, you just need somebody to sling it. Maybe Brock is somebody that you go to for a drive to build confidence. But kudos to them, man. They stuck with yeah. Plummer in the second half. It was a night and day. And it's funny you mentioned that last point, how going away from Plummer, I mean, they kind of did without actually having to do it because in that in that. Uh, those first few drives of the third quarter, I mean, Plummer was running it on read options and getting involved with <laughs> yeah, you know, was, going man. up the middle. Like, like I, I had no idea that was even in the playbook for a guy like Plummer. Not saying he's a statue like he's Tom Brady back there, but I mean, he's he's not a scrambler. He's not at all. I mean, he has the ability to to extend plays with his legs, but he's not the kind of guy where he's going to scramble out of the pocket and go like, 20 yards downfield but just so to see him get involved in the passing and then the running game excuse me and that was that was i think an impressive chess move from braum because that's a way to settle no one his saw that, right and no one saw yeah, that coming yeah Who one they didn't have... see it coming i didn't see it coming for sure and two it's just a way for him to settle in and be like okay just going through the motions here this game this will help me get going let's go yeah, and to to kind of back up that story, right? He leads the team in total carries. Now, some of those were not designed carries, but nine carries for 51 yards. I don't know his background, but is that a career high in rushing yards? Did he just do that in game one, man? Like, I'm curious if that's It's got to be up there, that's for sure. He set the bar high for his rushing. I mean, he looks good, man. He's a, he's a good runner. And kudos to him, man. I, I, do, I do think that uh, – Everyone, including myself, was a little harsh on him just because the expectations were so high and it fell so short in that first half. But a half is a half. It's not the season. You can put that behind you. And the second half, I mean, both of the touchdown throws to Jamari Thrash were a thing of beauty. Like, they were absolutely stunning. Trusting in Jack Plummer was different for Jeff Brom. That's something he had not done previously. And you got to give them a lot of credit for doing that, man, because... He was not playing well. They stick with their guy, and he he gets it turned around. And in the second half, he's throwing he's throwing darts out there, and it really opens up the offense to the point that you know he he ends up with some pretty good numbers. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a, three touchdowns is is no bad day, including a win. You know what I mean? So, how about spread the ball around? I mean, I thought it was really interesting how. Jamari Thrash obviously leads with seven receptions, but you have Kevin Coleman getting involved. Chris Bell had a, a nice game on those two catches. Amari Huggins, Bruce, Jimmy Callaway, they get the running backs involved. I mean, what do you think about overall the utilization of weapons? I would have liked to see a couple extra, a couple other guys get involved like Amari. He had three catches, but they were only for like 18 yards. But it was nice to see them not try and force feed it to Jamari. And obviously he's going to command his fair of targets because he's the best wide receiver they have. But there were times under Satterfield where we just got accustomed to, well, not times. I mean, it was evident last season where there were times where they just wanted to force feed it to either Tyler Hudson or Marshawn Ford. And yeah, Jamari Thrash ended up with seven catches and nine targets, which led 
everyone in the game, including Georgia Tech. But Kevin Coleman got involved. He had that he had that really pretty deep ball that probably would have been a touchdown had it been hit in stride. But regardless, that was a big play. Uh, Bruce got involved. Chris Bell had a couple ca- a couple catches. One of them was a really nice catch and run up the uh, up the sideline. I was a little disappointed with Callaway. Now a, a couple of targets his way were not exactly the best uh, balls from Plummer, but a couple other ones were just straight drops. And yeah. especially there was I can't remember what exactly it was, but I remember. I think it was Callaway committed a penalty at some point in the second half on a design run play, which you can't do that. If you're far and away from the play and you're just basically a decoy, you can't be committing penalties. Yeah. It's an interesting stat too. the third down conversions um, for Louisville to finish that game the way that they did going one of 11. I mean, that's one of those statistics that you typically don't win a lot of football games. If you go, one of 11 on third down time and time again, it seemed like they just couldn't, you know, couldn't figure it out. It, no matter what it was that there was just kind of this block or this lock on third downs of being able to find a play that worked, being able to get the right amount of yards. They came up just a, you know, a, a few yards short, a couple of times. Uh, it was frustrating. I mean, it really was. It, it just didn't feel like that's how things should be going considering that Georgia Tech was good. Don't get me wrong, right? I think we both know that they played a really nice game, but it just always felt like if you just make this slight adjustment, if you can just figure this out, whatever it is, whether it's Jack Plummer's throwing, whether it's defensively trying to cover some of those holes up, whatever it is, if you could just make this adjustment, we could win this game. Uh, And they had a couple of breaks go their way, a couple of turnovers, but overall – you know, it, it was really solid coaching, I think, in this game that made the difference for Louisville. Tight ends. How concerned are you that there was not a single catch by a tight end in an offense that is very, very active throwing the football to that position? I'm I'm not going to sound the alarm just yet, just because, you know, a, a lot of the passing games struggled to get going until the second half. But, I mean... Not a great development, that's for sure. And especially when I look at the um, the pro football focus numbers, like see how they were graded and whatnot. And the two tight ends who you know saw a decent amount of stabs, which were uh, Nate Kariski and Josh Lipson, they were graded out as two of the worst offensive players in that whole game. Uh, Kariski actually ended up having the worst game out of everyone with a PFF grade of 46.3. Josh Lipson, second worst with 52 and a half. Granted, a lot of that was them being getting active in the run game, but still, that's that's not going to cut it in this offense that relies so much on having a go-to tight end to kind of take pressure away from the receivers. I mean, hell, we talked plenty over this offseason about how important uh, Payne Durham was for Purdue last season. I mean, he was the third-round draft pick of the Buccaneers because of how important he was. So... Someone in that in that tight end room is going to have to get going, whether that's Lipson, Kariski, whether that's Joey Gatewood, maybe give some more snaps to Jamari Johnson. Someone's got to step up. Yeah, game this uh, like Murray State coming up this week, which we'll preview here in just a few minutes, obviously will be important to get some reps for Joey Gatewood, for Jamari Johnson, for Nate Kariski, all these young guys trying to work their way through in this new system. And Josh Lipson, obviously not as a younger guy, but still trying to kind of figure out what the role looks like. 
they didn't hurt the team, right? That's the one that's, I guess, a positive in a game like this. They blocked well, really an extension of that offensive line and made sure that they could run the football when they needed to. And finally, Jawar Jordan, Isaac Guriendo, Mo Turner, uh, the split seven, seven and six with Jawar uh, and Mo with seven carries and Isaac with six carries. I thought they all ran the ball really well. Isaac Guriendo is a freaking power ball, man. Whenever he gets going, he is just fun to watch. He is going to be uh, a guy that I really look forward to seeing how he grows in, in his role as probably, you know, some more of that power back guy, uh, him and Mo Turner. And then also just the ability to catch the ball and, and do things out of the backfield. And then how about the run, man? I mean, just an absolute thing of beauty. Like he just picked right up where he left off last year. Not only did he almost crack 21 miles an hour, but he like right close to the line of scrimmage, he took a big hit from someone trying to tackle him. He just kind of absorbed it and kept on running. Ate it. That, he just ate that, that was, shit, man. Yeah, I know. That was one of the more impressive runs that I've seen over the last few years. And Jordan's had a handful of impressive runs. They're going to be a fun trio to watch, man. If they can get going overall, I think they have that really oppor- a big opportunity uh, to make some noise. And they also ran, you know, some of that, um, you know, East and West type stuff with with wide receivers with Jimmy Calloway and Amari Huggins Bruce getting three carries between the two of them. So a lot of creative play calling. The offense really obviously comes through in the clutch, makes the big plays that you need with those two uh, throwing touchdowns to Jamari Thrash and then the the rushing touchdown to kind of seal it with Jawar. I, I know that Mo Turner, Isaac Arendo, very good, very capable backs. They have a role in this offense. But Jawar Jordan's got to get more than seven carries. He's got yeah. to. It, He's too good. I mean, did it feel first, like he disappeared for a little bit where you were like, okay, yeah. we're going to put him back in type of thing? I thought he might be hurt. That's because right. Of I that. thought the same thing. I texted the group like, where's Jaws at, man? What happened? Yeah. I mean, he's too good to have more than just five. His 74-yard run was just his fifth carry of the game. Now, granted, when you have 94 yards and five carries, I mean, that shows you how good you are. And it shows you that, that hey – he should probably have a bigger role than single digit carries. Not not to say that Mo and Isaac are not good because they're like I said, they're good, very capable backs, very clearly have a role on this team. But Jordan is one of the best running backs in the ACC. If if you're gonna have a chance to win against some of the tougher teams on the schedule, he's gonna have to take the lion's shares of running back reps think that he's going to continue to get more and more comfortable uh, and continue to make big plays. I mean, that's just a, a testament to the kind of player he is to where he's just ready to go after not getting much opportunity in the first half and that drive to seal the game. I mean, that's that's what you want right there is a home run hitter who you can set into the game and he can just completely flip it in a matter of a few seconds was an absolutely great football moment. One of those just defining first game under a new head coach type of type of moments. And, and uh, when you go to how it's set up, you talk about the defense, right? And you talk about the turnovers. I mean, how about on the first drive of the game, Ashton just comes loose off of the edge on that left tackle. Destroy, just that yeah, tackle. Just destroys the quarterback. The ball goes up, the ball's tipped. And then Ramon Purier just follows it down like a center fielder into his glove. I, I talk about a, just a way to get started and set the tone. It's like, all right, man, th- this defense is about to get rolling right where they were last year with picking the ball off. With the exception of that second quarter. Well, I mean, you can say a lot of things defensively with the exception of that second quarter. But I mean, for the other three quarters, the defensive front and the front seven overall looked 
fantastic. I mean, some of the the best players on the night for Louisville were guys on the defensive line. Ashton Jelotti, Stephen Heron, Cam Wilson, Des Tell. I mean, they they made life hell for Haynes King. I mean, they were getting in the backfield with relative regularity. Now, I mean, they probably would have gotten in there more had they not been holding Ashton on damn near every play. But, you know, to each their own. But it was good to see them have that sort of an impact when it seemed that the secondary at times was kind of hit or miss. I mean, there were times, I mean, especially in that second quarter, they were giving up play after play after play after play. But then when you look at the first quarter and in the second half, there were a couple throws that were just a product of Haynes King just straight up overthrowing his man. And it's one of those plays where like the defensive back didn't really have much to do with the outcome of the play. And then there were other times where the defensive back wasn't in the best spot to make a play. Ba- basically, they were were not nearly the impact that I thought they were going to be, especially against a passing attack that lags so much more behind Georgia Tech's rushing attack, at least if you ask me. Yeah, it was an interesting game from the secondary. Um, and, and while I know it's more of like a linebacker type of situation, I thought – Losing Ben Perry early was uh, was troubling for the defense. Although Antonio Watts came in and played a hell of a game in his in his spot, uh, tied for third on the team in tackles with four, had one of the few tackles for loss. Um, I just felt like that kind of knocked the win out of them a little bit. Took them a little bit of time to recover from. Josh Minkins started the game really well, had seven tackles, led the team in tackles. But also, you know, there was a couple of opportunities where he just took a bad angle, it felt like, and came up on the wrong side of a ball carrier and missed, you know, an opportunity to bring him down earlier in a play. I thought Storm Duck and Quincy Riley both were kind of up and down. Jarvis Brownlee, you know, you didn't really see much of him, but when they did go his way, it felt like he was all over it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the numbers for him, only one tackle kind of show – a story of not really making an impact, but it felt like he kind of locked down his side of things when Haynes King did test them. And don't get me wrong, man. Uh, Malik, Mark Rutherford, uh, Malik, Mark Rutherford, Mike Rutherford. I was calling him Mike, Mike Rutherford the whole game, Malik, Mike Rutherford. I mean, he, he was an absolute burner of a receiver. And then Chase Lane, my, my distant cousin, three touch, three receptions, 69 yards for the touchdown. Um, they had wept they I mean, Andre Ware was going to cream his jeans up there talking about freaking Eric Singleton and his speed. Oh, no one's ever going to catch him if he gets out, uh, <laughs> you know, ahead of the defense. Uh, he was just kept hyping them up over and over and over again. Uh, but Louisville, I thought, contained. They did what they needed to do in the passing game to make sure the game didn't get away from them. I, I mean, I know Haynes King finished with. 313 and three touchdowns, which has got to be probably one of his best efforts of his career. But I felt like they did what they needed to when he really tests them with a deep throw or with, you know, a, kind of a big moment. Uh, and then the, the rushing game, you know, tr- outside of Trey Cooley, uh, which we're going to call him Trey now. It's like Drew in the office. Uh, if you're an office fan, <laughs> I'm, I'm Drew now. Trey Cooley, you know, I, I, I don't know what, you chalk that up to outside of just good play calling and good execution by the offense, the defense. I wish Vince was here to walk through maybe where they were out of position or what that looked like, but it's just, you, you take it, you eat it and, and they bounce back from it, which is very, very, very good. 
but it's something that you have to figure out moving forward because you're going to play some teams with some some very dynamic weapons this year who mm-hmm. will dice they'll dice you up, man. And if you if you're playing running the run game like that, Matt, it's going to be we're going to be playing games that are fun and they're going to win 45 to 41, but it's like the, the defense is going to get gashed if it's yeah. going to look like that. I mean, t- to be fair, they looked like they were containing the running game more so than they looked like they weren't. I think that's a good point. That's a because really good point. I mean, when they held Georgia Tech scoreless in the first quarter, held Georgia Tech scoreless in the third quarter and didn't allow them to score in the fourth quarter until their last drive. So I'm, yeah, that second quarter, you know, burn the tape there. But I mean, 75% of the game, they're winning the point of attack. It was just only because of that second quarter, they were just getting their ass absolutely kicked. They gave up 4.6 yards per carry overall in the game. I'll take that. You know what I mean? That's not, yeah, it's not, it's not bad when you think no. about it. Um, you know, outside of the 23 yard touchdown for, for Trey Cooley and outside of a couple of 13, 15 yard runs. I mean, there really was nothing. And I, I got to give kudos, man, to freaking TJ Quinn, our guy, Matt, like, he he played a hell of a game and he lit up a few defenders, man. Like he, mm-hmm. he or excuse me, a few runners. He 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 did his business, man, coming straight downhill and absolutely letting them know he was a linebacker and not a safety. There's a reason that we, you and I have been kind of singing his praises this whole offseason, especially in the fall, with how good he looked. I mean, this is this is a guy who I think when by the time we get towards the end of the season, we're going to look back at this and be like, yeah, he was probably one of the more important guys and on this Louisville defense. Yeah, absolutely. And so overall we went to, we asked Twitter, what are the big takeaways from this game? And Matt, I'll ask you, you, your big takeaway. I'll give you mine here in a second. We got some good answers. And we didn't even talk about this one from, um, from JC Linderman. It says kicking game is better than I expected. This team is mentally tough. I mean, both of those points, uh, true. Brock travels dead, man. Yeah, I mean, he's like Travis Hunter. You know what I mean? He's a special teams. Travis <laughs> Hunter out there, man. I mean, it, it was probably something we should have sort of seen coming because uh, Carl Maslowski, when we were talking to him in fall camp, he mentioned that before uh, he left to go to Purdue after um, last spring, not this past spring, but the spring before, I mean, Brock was fighting Turner. James Turner for the starting spot. And the only reason that travels to didn't end up winning that job was because Brock was hurt. So he didn't really have a chance. So James Turner, I don't want to say he won it by default because he's a good kicker in his own right. But I mean, he kind of had the competition competition eliminated when he, whenever he got hurt. So, I mean, but still going four for four is nothing to sniff at, especially when it was just a five point game. And then you saw Georgia tech. I mean, their kicker missed both of his kicks. And if he made both of his kicks, Louisville loses this game by one. That's right. That's right. That's a really kind of underrated storyline of this game. Another underrated storyline of this game is so much that we just kind of glossed over it. And how dare us, right? I hope his mom calls us out for this. Uh, it, the play of Destel, right? Obviously, you don't win this game without Destel coming free. And when I tell you, man... <laughs> Just the pure joy I get out of watching the kind of moment. It's a split second in real time. But when Dez comes off the block 
and he has just a free shot. The speed at which he runs to the quarterback is hysterical <laughs> to me. I wasn't going to say it, but beats <laughs> him, man. Just freaking trash compactor. It's like watching Vince Wilfork run. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hysterical to me because in real time, dude was just moving. He was moving. Oh yeah, with a purpose. And Destel is athletic as get out man like don't let the defensive lineman label fool you there he is uh, an absolute beast like great footwork great hands great power as vince told me if he tried to block me he literally would cave my chest in i believe that with everything in me Uh, and so for him to get that sack and then the best part about that again just to kind of take it a step further uh, when you talk about guys getting onto the field and getting an opportunity I couldn't be happier to see Cam Wilson out there getting a chance because mm-hmm. he's been kind of stuck behind Yasir Abdullah the last couple of years after coming in as Louisville's top recruit in the, what, 21 class or 19, whatever class it was, 21, 20. Yeah. One of those classes. One of those yeah. early on classes. Uh, and he's out there, gets the fumble, scoops it up. And obviously, you know, we know what ended up happening on the other side. So want to give a shout out to them. And continuing along on Twitter here, Sam underscore pretty seven. He said Ashton is a dog and he was held on every play. I mean, yeah, the, the tape shows that that's 100% true at U of L underscore athletics. It says, and no flags. Uh, is that no, that's not true. Louisville committed penalties, didn't they? Oh, they committed penalties. That's yeah. actually one. That wasn't going to be my big takeaway at the end of the segment, but I mean, Louisville committed seven penalties. Now, granted, the actual penalty yardage was not that much. I think it was under 50 or something like that. But, I mean, I referenced how earlier it was a th- it was a third and one play, and I looked it up. It was a third and one play, and Jimmy Calloway commits, um, he commits a false start on third and one as a wide receiver. Can't do that. And then there was a drive uh, in the third quarter. It was actually their – actually, it was their one drive in the second half that did not end in points – on that drive alone, they committed three penalties. That cannot happen, especially one of the cons to Jeff Brom's hiring was that some of his teams at Purdue were prone to this kind of thing. And it was a little bit concerning to see them commit seven penalties right off the rip. They were badly timed penalties, too. I mean, I think Devin Neal, Quincy Riley both had one in the second half on the defensive side. Uh, I think they they had, you know, some of the ones that you mentioned on offense that, you know, kind of set them back. It was frustrating, but, you know, again, ultimately it didn't cost them something that you kind of take in stride. You move on from, you know, the Sunday practices, as Vince said, I'm sure they're getting after it, uh, you know, calling those mistakes out and uh, being able to make some of those changes. A couple more tweets here at LZEP95. If, if Plummer can stand in there and make the throws, we have three to five receivers that can be really dangerous. We talked about that with Kevin Coleman yeah. and Jamari Thrash. I mean, I, I completely agree. Mari Huggins-Bruce, uh, you didn't even have Jaden Thompson playing in this game. So there's opportunity for these guys to continue to grow on this. Continues on. Offensive line looked good. No sacks, no tackles for loss. I mean, they're the MVP probably shared with Juar in the, in the kicking game with Brock Travisted, honestly, because they kept Jack clean the little bit of pressure that they did get on jack was at just him taking forever to get rid of the football mm-hmm. at times yep. but overall covered man, sacks or almost sacks <laughs> i i gotta say i thought the lineup of the offensive line was beautiful like i loved where they ended up on with the starting five with willie tyler as the left tackle eric miller at right tackle moving renato brown into guard i mean that's a legitimate top offensive line in the acc dude that it i mean oh, yeah. that's as it's an experienced 
powerful, athletic, proven offensive line that you can really get behind running the football and protecting your quarterback. Those are two big things that you don't have to worry about this season that as the year goes on and some of these things like at L's up 95 is calling out Jack Plummer gets more comfortable, dude, it's this sky, the sky is really limitless and how good they can be. Uh, and then finally, he said D tightened up after halftime, which was good to see. The Des Tell force fumble was a coverage sack, which, again, you talk about Jarvis Brownlee, Storm Duck, Quincy Riley. At Sean Tribal Chief said this play broke their back. That was the Jawar Jordan run. I mean, you talk about the game being still really close. Louisville gets the ball 29-28, uh, and it felt like, okay, this is – an opportunity to drive down the field and Jawar just takes their breath away. I mean, he uh, literally dude, they have no shot to really react to that. Uh, and ultimately it's the difference in the game. Love to see it for Jawar. Absolutely love to see it. You oh, should yeah. go out and support Jawar by buying the jaws merchandise uh, because <laughs> you want, you want to be supporting a guy like that. Uh, and then finally right here at crow underscore GG says simple under sat. We never battle back last night and lose by 14 plus. No doubt under Brom. We made adjustments at half and Brom challenged everyone to be better. And they were, it's that easy. It's 100% what this program has been missing. Like I can only imagine what Brom said at halftime. I mean, we kind of heard some of the, the uh, alluding to what he said in the, in the mm-hmm. press conference. Uh, but yeah. I would imagine it was something along the lines of this is pretty effing pathetic. Jack, you're playing like S, you know, defense. You're giving up tackles to guys who aren't, you know, your teammate anymore. Like, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. I can only imagine what was said and whatever it was, man, it, it gave them a different demeanor. And that's it's what funny happened. because uh, in the um, the post-game press conference when the players were asked about that and specifically um, – does tell while he's in the process of being asked this jack Plummer kind of his eyes light up and as des is about to like is starting to give his answer he's like very clearly shaking his head no like des don't you don't you answer that question don't you don't you tell him what they said and, and then brahm has said himself like yeah i didn't r- really raise any spirits in that locker room i mean that's that's as clear as it gets right there like he he tore their ass a new one yeah, I believe it. And that's what they need, man. They need a coach who can give them the demeanor and the edge shift uh, that uh, changes that at halftime. A couple adjustments and an attitude adjustment goes a long way. We're going to step aside. Uh, and on the other side, we're going to talk about Murray State, Louisville's big game home opener on Thursday night. We will give you some of the details of what to expect in that game, give our predictions. Thursday night, let me tell you, you are going to need our friends at manscape like that is what it is <laughs> when you go out into football weather early in the year it is 85 not a cloud in the sky you can expect men you can expect to sweat and when you sweat we all know what that chub rub does like we've all been in that spot where there is no going back you are feeling it you are truly in pain trying to enjoy a football game but you do no longer need to to be in pain thanks to our friends at manscape some of the great products the ball deodorant will get you right okay i'm telling you it will get you right i mean it doesn't get any better than this matt like when you're talking about being a man and needing some 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 love your feet get a little stinky you need you get the foot duster man get those feet the foot deodorant get those feet cleaned up get the uh, get the plow and if you know what i mean when you, when you got a couple of, of unwanted neighbors downstairs and you need to do some trimming the plow will get you right Check out our friends at Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use the code PINKSEATS at checkout for 20% off. Let our friends get you right. At least, at least give them a try. I'm telling you, man. Your wives, 
your friends, everyone around you, your coworkers will thank you as you smell better and go about your day being more productive. We will be right back on the other side here from the Pink Seats Podcast. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, don't go anywhere. We are back on the other side. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, at Jacob Lane 8 at Matt underscore McGavick. Check out the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated at UofL Report on X, Twitter, at the State of Lou. I'm still calling it Twitter. Com. I know, man. It's so funny. It's like they paid all that money to rebrand for everyone to continue to say. Essentially, you know, you talk about earlier rebranding the Drew. If you remember, Jim's like, nah, I'm not calling you that. That's essentially what we've done to to Twitter, continuing to call it by its original name. Mm-hmm. And speaking of X, man, it's going to be uh, at Louisville, hopefully trying to X off Murray State on its schedule on Thursday night. Home opener, blackout, season getting underway at LNN Cardinal Stadium with an FCS opponent who is coming off of a 2-9 and nine season, 1-4 and four in conference play last year. Picks up a 41-10 to 10 win over Presbyterian this weekend. Not necessarily an exciting opponent, right? But an exciting opportunity to hopefully kind of dominate, flex your muscles, and and maybe take advantage of some snaps to get better uh, and prepared for the next couple of weeks. What do you think, Matt? Oh, I, I fully expect Louisville to take advantage of this matchup and get as many snaps to all the younger or inexperienced guys as they can. Like, keep the starters in for maybe a half, and then once the game kicks off in the second half, just – Get put in the fresh, put in the uh, the younger guys, put in some freshmen, get guys some playing time because as the season gets on, when people start dropping like flies with injuries, as we've all seen with every football team across America, I mean, some of those younger and or inexperienced guys, they're going to need to to step up and they're going to need some of these reps from earlier in the season. Yeah, no doubt. And, and a team like Murray State offers you that opportunity on your schedule. A lot of teams open with cupcakes get that win under their belt early in the game. And man, when you talk about cupcakes, dude, how about Oregon hanging 81 on Portland state, Arkansas state getting a 77 burger dropped on them. They got Butch Jones crying on the sideline. Just shout out Will Stein for the ducks putting up 81. Have you ever seen a team score that much? I don't think I've ever seen that in real life. That's like video game numbers. I mean, not, not since what was it that, LSU, Texas A&M, like seven overtime game from a few years ago. <laughs> they had seven rushing touchdowns. I mean, like Good it was just, just like you feel bad for Portland State. But in some regards, man, these college football teams have no business playing these games. Like there is so many deserving mid-major programs who you could play against so to where you don't have to do this. Like to me, there's no point in this, right? There's nothing we're going to learn this weekend. We're not going to walk away unless it's a close game, having any type of thoughts about what what, what Louisville could be, what Louisville couldn't be. You know, we're not going to we're not going to do that. And because of that, it just feels pointless. But it, it does offer, you know, the opportunity to get a win under your belt. And we're going to see a lot of guys. With that being the case, I want to take you in the way back machine real quick to the last time Louisville played Murray State. Do you know when that was, Matt? 2017. Do you know who might have appeared in that participation chart the last time Louisville played Murray State? I mean, Lamar Jackson, if that's, if that's, that's what you're That's true, at. but I am not hinting at that. No, in fact, the last time Louisville played Murray State, a member of this show played in a football game. 
And that was one Vincent oh, Lacoco. Yeah. Yeah. Vincent Lacoco appeared in the Murray State game. Oh, yeah. There he is. And that 55 to 10 win. <laughs> yeah, how about that? He's not here yeah, to tell him. us what his stat line ended up being, but I can only imagine it was 40 tackles, 25 tackles for loss, helped 14 ball carriers score touchdowns. <laughs> I'm sure Vince was balling, man. But no, this this is a, an opportunity to get guys on the field. You know, obviously, before you can do that, your starters have to play well. And for the defense, they're going to get tested, you know, with some talented guys. Uh, they do have a wide receiver who has put up some numbers so far. He caught two touchdowns this past weekend, was an all Missouri Valley football conference, honorable mention Taylor Shields. And then they have DJ Williams, who is a dual threat quarterback who missed most of last season with an injury after the season opener, but his back started the game this past weekend and, and really helped that offense be productive against Presbyterian. Uh, and they're going to offer, you know, a unique opportunity for Louisville to kind of just be able to hone in on the on the fundamentals of tackling, getting to the quarterback, being sound in coverage. Uh, and I think with that being the case, the starters have the opportunity to potentially get out of there at halftime. I mean, we'll see kind of what the game looks like, but talk about an offense that can put up points if they get the opportunity, Matt. I mean, you could see this team having four drives in the first quarter and potentially scoring four touchdowns. You know what I mean? I know Murray, Murray State's coming off of a, a pretty decisive win, uh, 41 to 10 over Presbyterians. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's not bad. So I went looking to see what the spread was. Take a wild guess as to what the spread for this game was. 26 and a half points is what I'm going to guess. This Is that the spread? You were close. It's 28 and a half. Okay. All right. That just feels like a good mid-major FCS spread right there. Yep. Is there an over-under? I'm just curious to see. What that might look like. I barely found a spread for this game, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These games, this is where the degenerates come out is the Louisville Murray State game trying to capitalize on that 28 and a half. I would hammer the over on this. Uh, I think Louisville's gonna score a lot of points. And I think this defense, man, they are they are good. They are good. I don't think they're they're gonna give up more than maybe 13 to 17 points in this. And if they do, it's in garbage time. But I think yeah. that they could score 60-plus. I really do. I mean, we'll see what that looks like when you get in the second half. But imagine a scenario where you're playing in the second half and you have Pierce Clarkson in at quarterback and Jaleel McClain and, and Kataris Hicks are out there running routes. And, you, you know, you just – you dial something up. Brian's dialing something up. Jeff's dialing something up. And you're talking about just putting touchdowns up on the board, moving the ball at will. You blink and you got 60 points. Uh, so – I don't think this that this is going to be much of a test for the offense. The defense maybe a little bit more so, but I think that they're going to be able to kind of hold their own, really flex that muscle, as I said, of domination and, and get out of there, giving up, you know, yeah. like I said, six, I mean, 13, something like that. Yeah, I mean, just think about it like this. How, how would you grade Louisville's offense in against Georgia Tech? Like an A to F, what would you grade it? If I had to grade the offense, I mean, probably like a B. I mean, you know, it's not uh, the best grade in the world. It's definitely not an A. But look, when you connect on three passing touchdowns and Jawar Jordan has a 70-plus yard touchdown, you don't give up any tackles for loss or sacks. What else do you want? I mean, I know that Jack was inaccurate, but outside of that, dude, they did their thing. Even with that grade, they still put up 474 yards of offense and 39 points even with the inefficiencies that they had in the first half. If they don't eclipse 500 yards in this game, 
something probably went wrong. Either that or they pulled the starters way early. <laughs> right. Just played kind of like a conservative approach, not to show too much ahead of Indiana type of deal. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, I think ultimately when you're looking at the big storylines for this game, can you clean up the penalties? Can Jack Plummer show that he can be consistent for a full helping of a game and not need a second half to kind of readjust and then ultimately, how many guys can you get in? Can you play down to like a TJ Capers on defense? I mean, that's assuming he's healthy. Can you play down to Adana J. Green? Can you get Madden Sanker and Luke Burgess into the game? Can you get some of these freshman reps out there? Pierce Clarkson, like I think all of Card Card Nation desperately wants to see Pierce Clarkson in this game. Oh, yeah. Uh, because you have four to blow for these freshmen before a red shirt has to be a red shirt decision has to be made. So oh, yeah, no, there's going to be plenty like. of freshmen to play in this game. I mean, if, if this isn't a game where freshmen play, I don't know what is. That's right. That's what you hope this game is for. And then the rest of the year, if you get any of those games where you get any more guys in at that level, you take that as just a major win because you've blown somebody out that you are playing in an ACC game or in a non-conference game. That's a big deal. So, all right, let's do this, Matt. Let's transition into predictions. We could spend a lot more time talking about Murray State, but it's, you know, it is what it is. We don't really know necessarily what the score is going to end up being, how many guys are going to get in, but we're going to just jump into predictions here. Let's do this. Let's do score of the game, and we'll do the number of quarterbacks who play. That's going to be our two predictions for tonight. And real quick, before we do that, let's just recap what last week, last week looked like. We predicted the score and ultimate outcome of the game, and then who scores the first touchdown. We all got the game right with Louisville winning, so we all get one point. So it's an even battle heading into week two. We all missed the bonus point of who scores the first touchdown for Louisville. So no points given out for that. So, Matt, let's do this. Score prediction and the quarterbacks who play in this game. I'll start with you. What is your prediction and what are your what is your number of quarterbacks? I remember when I did my first uh, season prediction that my pro- projection there was 55 to 10. I'm going to go 59 to 7 now just because given how inefficient the offense was for a decent chunk of that game and what they were still able to put up, they should be able to move the ball. And I, I do think Murray is going to score in garbage time, but I I just can't see it being more than just a single score. If it is, it's a touchdown and a field goal, if that much. And as for the quarterbacks, I'm going to go with three. Jack, obviously. Brock gets some time in the third quarter. And I think down the stretch, we're going to see uh, some of Pierce. He's he's going to get his, his share of time. I will go 52 to 13. I also agree with you. I think this is going to be a very productive outing for the offense. I told you I think the defense probably late when you got freshmen and walk on in there, uh, maybe give up a score, a field goal to allow Murray State to get into double digits. Uh, So I'll go 52 to 13, and then I'm going to go with four quarterbacks. I'm going to stick with the same three that you have, but I'm going to throw in Evan Conley because I think that Evan Conley is going to play. I You can shake your head at me. I may be wrong, but I think Evan Conley is going to play in this game. So we'll we'll go with four quarterbacks. And if it's not Conley, I get the benefit of Harrison Bailey, right? So we'll, we'll see. So uh, it doesn't have to be Evan. I just get to to go with the number, and that's four. 
We got predictions from Vince and from Presley both here. Presley goes Louisville 62, Murray State 16. He is just like you. He goes with three quarterbacks. And then 49 to 10 is what Vince has. And he just has two quarterbacks getting into the game. So going conservative with his answer there. Uh, So we'll see. Hopefully Louisville next week we're talking about heading into that IU game on Saturday, coming off of a fairly large win uh, in terms of the quantity of the score. Any closing thoughts, Matt McGavick, before we get out of here? I'm just glad to be starting off a season with the win after the way that that game began. (laughs) You and thousands and thousands of other people, I can only imagine uh, what it was like leaving Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Friday night uh, in Atlanta, walking through the streets, celebrating a win. And only hope that in two weeks in in Indiana, when Louisville goes to Indianapolis, that uh, we can do the same thing and celebrate the same win in another major me- metropolitan. Man, that's we're metropolitan winners, baby. Right. Actually, I do have one more thing before we sign off. So I've got Florida State LSU on in the background right now, and you know who just com- uh, converted a really important third down for the Knolls? Jordan Travis, the big guy. Is that the big guy? Oh, Johnny Wilson. <laughs> Johnny Wilson. <laughs> Johnny Wilson. Man, we will get out of here on that. From the Pink Seeds Podcast, be sure to subscribe anywhere that you get your shows from. Please rate, review. If you are a weekly listener, if you are a first-time listener, we want to hear about your experience, what you think of the show. Rate on any of the platforms that you listen to. And if you're a YouTube listener or if you are on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at The State of Lou. We post the show audio each week so you can listen there. Anywhere that you are, we want to be. Uh, And also follow and interact with the show at Pink Seeds Pod on Twitter. Check out the state of Louisville at the state of Lou at UofL report. Check out both of the websites. Keep up with us each week and we will be back next week, baby. Another neutral road, neutral field game up in IU. It's going to, they call it a, a neutral field, but it feels a little bit like it's one-sided in terms of the location. We'll see what that looks like until then go cards. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.